Hey, Real Talk podcast listeners, supporters of Alberta's new parental rights policy will say that the UCP is protecting parents' rights to know what's happening at school and in their kids' own lives. Critics will say Danielle Smith's government is putting children at risk and doesn't care about some of our most vulnerable citizens. The policy is expected to include age limits for things like hormone therapy and top surgery as well. In this episode, we set the table for what is likely to be a supercharged next few weeks of political and public commentary. This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. I want to thank you for joining us here on Real Talk. In just a second, Charles Adler, who joins us, of course, the first episode of every single week. We're going to talk about the news that's developing across the country uh, this week. Of course, you probably noticed over the weekend, uh, former uh, Canadian junior team member Alex Formanton has turned himself into London police. He's the uh, first uh, to surrender, uh, to uh, be charged with sexual assault. Of course, this stemming from an alleged group sexual assault uh, that occurred uh, following a, a, a team celebration. Uh, the 2018 World Junior Team, of course, has seen five of its players at this point. And who knows, there could be more. But five of the players on that team have requested leave from their franchises, four of them in the National Hockey League. Alex Formanton was playing over in Europe uh, after the Ottawa Senators a couple of years ago failed to extend him a contract offer. Most people speculate that the Senators had good information that this was coming, that they knew what was happening here. They knew the allegations surrounding Alex Formanton. So we'll see where this story goes from here. Of course, you've got a couple of players, uh, Cal Foote and uh, Michael McLeod from the New Jersey Devils. You've got Carter Hart, the star goaltender, uh, an Alberta boy uh, from the Philadelphia Flyers. And then, of course, Dylan Dubé from the Calgary Flames. We talked about the Calgary Flames release on Dylan Dubé last week. And whether or not the Flames were out of line, it deserved to be called out for uh, announcing that their player, Dubay, was taking time away for mental health reasons and that he was in the care of healthcare professionals. And uh, some of you agreed with me uh, that it was a BS move by the Calgary Flames. And some of you have said, well, you guys are maybe getting a little ahead of yourselves here. It is quite possible that it's purely coincidental that Dylan Dubay was a member of that 2018 World Junior Team uh, and it is possible that he is uh, experiencing a mental health challenge and seeking help for something totally unrelated uh, to these charges that the London police are, are waiting to lay. And and I guess in a way, uh, if you really, 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 really want to stretch and test your imagination, that could be right. Uh, but I'm going to stand by my position based on information swirling around the hockey world. And it is just rumors. And he is innocent until proven guilty. But I'm going to ask Charles Adler what he thinks about that statement by the Calgary Flames. We're also expecting Alberta's premier and the Alberta government. Uh, we're thinking February 1st, which would be the Thursday of this week. But this week, they've announced that they'll be making public their parental rights policy, uh, which will likely touch on things like uh, pronouns uh, for kids under the age of 18 or 16 or 13 in schools. It will probably touch on things like therapies and surgeries and uh, will address some of the concerns that some people have. Uh, and it will also, of course, raise the ire of uh, advocates and allies across the country. We've already heard from Rachel Notley, and we'll be bringing you that clip in just a second. And speaking of Rachel Notley, the first name 
sort of, out there to replace her. Sarah Hoffman, uh, not least former deputy premier, former health minister, uh, has all but announced that she will be seeking the leadership, having resigned from many of her positions within that caucus, obviously not resigning as the MLA, uh, but from all of the other positions that may preclude her from seeking that leadership. So there's a lot of ground to cover today, and we're grateful to have you here with us. This episode is happening with the support of Rello, and our friends at Rello have a very clear message for those of you that are sick and tired of the grind. You're on your way into work today. Maybe you're listening to this podcast at work, and you're they don't appreciate you there. Your income's capped. You don't like the hours you're working. You want to be home with your family or you want to be out getting some fresh air in your lungs. You want to leave cubicle life behind for good. Alberta, it's top real estate school. Well, it's Rello. And Rello wants to support you every step of the way from studying for your exam to getting your license, plus beyond. And 100% of your studies are online. So it's going to be as convenient as it possibly could be. Right now, there's a great offer on the table for Real Talkers that have that promo code locked and loaded. Real Talk, that's all one word. When you go to Rello.ca, you're going to save 20% off any Rello course with the promo code Real Talk. Again, that's Rello.ca. Charles Adler, an Emmy Award-winning talk radio legend and a great friend of this show, joins us the first episode of every week. My man, how was your weekend? It was excellent, actually. Yours? Yeah, not too bad. Hosted the uh, the Chamber Ball, the Edmonton Chamber Ball over the weekend, which is uh, obviously kind of the, uh, the the gala event of the year in the city. I'd say about 1,100 people in the beautiful Edmonton Convention Center talking business and uh, uh, rubbing shoulders and, and always nice to get together with folks like that. And then uh, a beautiful day yesterday out, out on the outdoor rink, skating with the little guy. And so uh, everything is well. All is good when you're out there filling your ears with fresh uh, filling your lungs with fresh air with the kids. There are so many gears that you have. Um, you know, huh. you're you're like a Peterbilt. I mean, you can rub shoulders with the glitterati one day, and then of course you're with uh, children and your dogs and the whole. I mean, it, you, you've you've just got the ultimate life. You're a role model for so many of us. Uh, you're one of the busiest human beings on earth, but you manage you manage your time so efficiently. I don't know who your time manager role model was in your life, but whoever it was, thank you. Thank you for uh, making uh, Ryan Jesperson into one of the most productive souls in Alberta. Well, hey, man, you know, we just do what we can to keep our head above water. And I think, yeah, for me, it was it was watching mom and dad and, uh, you know, run a family business and, and four kids. I often say to them, I go, we've, we've got two uh, and a couple of dogs. I go, I don't know how you did it with four kids. And none of us were shy uh, and none of us were it was sort of kept to ourselves. We were all very busy. And so for our parents to have kept the family on the rails and kept all four of us out of jail, uh, I always say it was just a marvelous accomplishment. Would you mind if I said something about uh, my key role model who is alive and well today, thankfully, at the age of 90? Let's celebrate her, Chuck. All right. Uh, mom. Uh, my mom is uh, my hero in so many ways. Uh, she gave me life. That's a biological fact. Uh, she uh, also saved my life. That's a, an historical fact. She also saved the lives of uh, many others. Uh, she is a hero. Uh, she's uh, my hero. And she is the one who is the real CEO of our family. Uh, my, my father was very strong in a number of ways, but there was no doubt that uh, my mom was the CEO of the family. And when my mom was only uh, 23, there was a, a revolution and uprising in Hungary and opportunity uh, for some people to, to leave a tight window of opportunity, but it still took a lot of courage. 
Uh, my father was rather cautious. Uh, my mother was rather bold and brash, as she still is. And so she said to my father, look, uh, you put the baby, and that would be me, two-and-a-half-year-old baby, you put the baby in the, in the backpack, I'm going to put the baby in the backpack, and if you don't want to go, I'll put the backpack on myself. Mm. That was a decision that um, affected them and uh, certainly uh, affected uh, me. And on this uh, day, January 29th, 2024, I want to say happy 90th uh, to my hero, my mom. Do you, do you still chat with her on a daily, but what's your relationship like present day? We uh, talk um, two or three times a week, and uh, her uh, memory is uh, really, really sharp. Uh, and, um, you know, she sometimes forgets what she did 10 or 15 minutes ago, but she has no problem remembering what she did 10 and 20 and 30 and 40 and 60 years ago. It, it amazes me that, you know, she was uh, not just uh, celebrated for her, I guess, uh, her outer beauty, that's a nice way of putting it. You know, she won some beauty contests as a, as a young woman. Nice. But it wasn't just about that. Uh, she was incredibly talented. And she loved to recite poetry. And uh, there was no teleprompter. Uh, she could recite uh, many, many stanzas. And what blows my mind is she still can. The other day she was reciting a poem. It must have been, you know, seven or 800 words. And uh, there were no ums, no ahs, no pauses. She just downloaded it and it's just a, it blows my mind every time i hear her do that yeah marvelous what's her name rose rose a very happy birthday to rose adler i love it i i suspect she's not on twitter or instagram or we'd throw it out there chuck <laughs> so next time you talk to her you let her know that we're sending our most sincere wishes yeah well i posted i posted a photo not a not a really recent photo, you know, not a photo from her youth and not a, anyway, it's a photo. It's about 30 years old. And I posted that with my uh, my greeting. And as, as always, uh, my um, my Twitter thread uh, for some might be rather verbose. But, hey, I've got a lot to say about mom. Yeah, that's right. And plus, you know, who's going to try to cap Adler? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> who's going to try to put a lid on that? I say we let it free flow. Uh, one of the reasons why, you know, you and I, I guess we could have chosen any day of the week that we want to get together and chat. We choose the first day of the week because we can kind of set the table uh, for what is to come. And so you and I will be talking about a few different stories right now. Probably one of the biggest ones that people across the country will be paying attention to is is the uh, players uh, from the 2018 Team Canada World Junior Hockey Championship entry that'll be facing charges of sexual assault, extremely serious charges, and an extremely serious alleged incident uh, following a, a golf tournament type thing. It was a, uh, an event in the summer uh, that was celebrating uh, the accomplishments of that team and bringing it back together to be recognized. It is uh, following that event that it's alleged that one of those players uh, took a woman back to his hotel room and then over the course of time and without her consent, uh, allowed other members of his team to gain access to that room where they allegedly sexually assaulted her for hours. The story, the details of the story are absolutely horrific. And uh, the first player to turn himself into police is a former Ottawa Senator Alex Formanton. Now, I know that there's only so much we can say about the story right now. Uh, none of the other players yet have even been charged. Uh, I think anybody with half of a brain and a bit of common sense can put two and two together and figure out who the other four will be. Uh, but until they turn themselves in, we don't know for sure. Uh, this is a tough one for Canadians, number one, because you feel for the survivor in this case. It's obviously a terrible circumstance. And it's also a huge stain on a brand that many Canadians uh, feel a great connection to. That is that Hockey Canada logo in the World Junior Tournament. It's a holiday. It's a boxing day. 
uh, tradition for millions of people. How are you approaching the story? How are you wrapping your mind around it? How much time are you spending thinking about it at this point? It's, it's not complicated for me at all. And it goes right back uh, to my mom, uh, who uh, faced, uh, you know, the, the worst, worst kinds of tyranny, brutality, authoritarianism, and yes, uh, rape, you, you, you name it. I mean, she, she had to confront all of that. She was just a, a child. And so she has always, uh, she's always taught me that the number one thing uh, that matters is character, not talent, not creativity, not how many pucks you can put in the net, but, but your character. And uh, while I have said on, on, on this show before that, you know, some of the hockey teams that are really good at, are the guys who, you know, bring on the bad boys and are able to reform them. Uh, there's a limit to that. By bad, I'm not talking about rapists. I'm not talking about sexual assault. I'm not talking about criminals. So to me, this isn't complicated at all. Any team, whether it's the Flames or any other team that wants to uh, make excuses for uh, criminal behavior, for bringing on people who are uh, not yet indicted, but being investigated for crimes. Uh, I'm just, I'm not there. Are people presumed innocent until they're proven guilty? Of course they are. I abide by, by all the laws and I support the laws of this country and, and, and most Western democracies for that matter. But uh, this one isn't complicated for me. Uh, if a person has uh, participated in this kind of activity and it's proved in a, in a court of law, uh, then I'm not interested in having them on my team. I'm not interested in supporting them. But I'm also not interested in saying that this is hockey culture. That's the only part of the story that bothers me, the idea that everybody that is a parent of, a coach of, a manager of, a supplier for, or a player themselves, the idea that this is emblematic of hockey cultures not something I'm ever going to buy into. I think it's a good wake-up call for parents and for coaches and for members of the general public, for people that are involved in any sport or any structured organization. Uh, I think that obviously we need to evolve our learning in these types of things. I was talking to a friend over the weekend. She was telling me about an interesting scenario that she found herself in at a sporting event with her nephew. And uh, she went and she took, like, as any proud auntie would, you know, she took a picture of her nephew and his teammates. And, and uh, she, it, it occurred to her to ask him if she could post it. Uh, she said, do you mind if I post this photo? And he said, well, did, did you ask the other kids for their consent? And uh, she was kind of taken aback as she told me the story. She said, and she kind of went, huh. Because, like, she hadn't asked for their consent. It wasn't something that had occurred to her. But it was like this younger generation is has a, maybe a better understanding or an earlier understanding of, of what that's all about. And that consent, by the way, uh, we're going to be talking about parents' rights and stuff like that with you and, and later this week and in the weeks to come, of course. And, and, and we'll be debating and discussing some things. Uh, but I think we can all agree that the word consent doesn't specifically and exclusively apply to sexual intercourse and when we see in curriculum for example in sex education that kids are learning about consent in elementary school we understand it applies in many different situations but having a child and then a young adult you know a, a tween and then a teen and then an adult understand that premise early uh, will benefit them and benefit everybody later on in life and you got to lay that groundwork early so I'm happy to see that it's happening yeah, no, I mean, the, the consent piece is, is a very large piece. Uh, I didn't, uh, you know, grow up with a whole bunch of rules and regulations about consent. I simply grew up with uh, admonitions, uh, commandments, if you will, uh, from my mom and dad uh, to never involve myself in, in any situation, whether it's a sexual or any other situation, where um, the, the two sides uh, don't uh, agree to terms. It was, uh, 
egalitarianism. You know, sometimes they say I'm, I'm hopelessly egalitarian. Well, that's where I got it from. And uh, I think uh, if, if today we need to teach uh, people the importance of uh, consent in any way, shape or form, I'm all for that because all of this involves one simple fact of life. We respect each other as human beings, whether we're playing hockey or doing podcasting or doing truck driving, whatever class we're from, whatever race, whatever gender, whatever orientation, we are all equal and everyone is worthy of treatment of equality by the law and by society and certainly everyone is worthy of, of respect and that's what consent is coming from. I'm sorry if I'm moralizing a little bit too much there, but uh, I'm thinking about my mom today and everything she taught me and everything you're talking about, Ryan, is extremely important to her. Let me ask you for, for your thoughts, and you tell me. I mean, you, you say what you think on this show. There's no doubt about that. Sometimes we agree, sometimes we disagree. So, yeah. so I don't know if you and I will see eye to eye on what the Calgary Flames pulled uh, last week. I'm sure you saw this release, but they were the only ones to cite mental health when announcing that their player was taking leave. They say Dylan Dubé has been granted a, an indefinite leave of absence for mental health reasons. And they, they go on to talk about how he's in the care of health care professionals. He's in the care of mental health professionals. Uh, we talked about it with Dustin Nielsen, sports broadcaster with Edmonton Sports Talk here last week. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I knew that I threw Dusty a, a fast one high and inside uh, because a lot of people go, I don't really want to comment on this yet. Dubé's not been charged by police. We don't know for sure that he's one of those five players. He was on the team. Uh, you know, uh, where do you land on it? If, if, if it is indeed mental health and it's totally unrelated to this case, um, I've already said I'll issue an apology and make a donation to a, a mental health charity, but I don't think so. Sure. Uh, are the Calgary Flames out of line with, with invoking mental health in notifying their fans that Dubé would be taking leave? Yeah, they're putting a PR ahead of the uh, community here. Uh, and uh, deceiving the community is, is, is not a service to the community. Um, if, if they don't believe that there's something larger um, in life than their team, uh, than their standings uh, and their public relations, then uh, they've got a problem. I, I think they're trespassing. I, I don't know who came up with the decision to do that. But it's, uh, it's not wise. And once again, you know, I'll say this. Sometimes Albertans are, are treated as rubes and, and hillbillies. It bothers the hell out of me. But they're not rubes and hillbillies. They're educated people. And by educated, I don't, I don't care how, how many years of post-secondary you have. That, that's not my point at all. Um, but they are, they, are, they are very in touch with what this kind of stuff is all about. And it's insulting to their intelligence. And so I'm sorry on, on this one, Ryan. We're not going to disagree. We're on the, on the same page on this thing. I want to ask you, uh, and we don't know what the United Conservatives' uh, parental rights policy is going to look like. They're obviously expected to uh, lay it out for the public this week. Um, you know, I'm expecting it probably on Thursday if our sources are correct. Um, I'm not going to get too into it because nobody's seen it yet. Uh, my understanding is is that it will uh, require uh, a parent's consent for a, a student, uh, for a young person that wants to change the pronouns uh, that they're using, uh, if they're in school in particular before the age of 16, so any child 16 years of age or under, rather under the age of 16, will require a parent's consent. There's going to be some age limitations, I believe, uh, on things like hormone therapies and on, on top surgeries, I believe. Um, and I've got my own thoughts on that in, in just a second. Uh, it is expected that this policy announced by Alberta this week will go further 
than the policies that had the legislation that's already been uh, introduced first in New Brunswick by Premier Higgs government and then in Saskatchewan by Premier Moe's government. So uh, the now leader of the official opposition, Rachel Notley, until she's replaced uh, in that leadership race, has issued a statement. We'll play that. We'll see what Rachel says uh, right now, and then we'll see what Charles Adler has to say about it. So here's Rachel Notley getting ahead of this week's announcement. Literally hundreds of thousands of Albertans woke up this morning to discover that the Premier sat beside somebody who claimed that immigrants diluted the Canadian culture, who of course has made a, a, a number of homophobic, transphobic, discriminatory comments. I'm here today to say that that is not okay and that this doesn't reflect who we are as Albertans. And our Premier is deeply out of touch with the mainstream uh, views of Albertans and I want those folks to feel safe and secure in this province and I want those folks who are thinking about coming to this province to know that it is actually a place for them. So that's Rachel Notley setting the table for what I know is going to be contentious and combustible uh, debate and discussion this week. What are you expecting? Rachel Notley is referring to uh, the night that uh, Danielle Smith shared on that stage with Tucker Carlson and I uh, totally get a number of things. Uh, about about that night, uh, things that you have uh, said eloquently uh, last week. Uh, Tucker Carlson is a great entertainer. He knows his audience. He knew what to tell them, but there's no doubt that, uh, you know, the jokes, uh, especially the jokes that were, I have to call it what it is, uh, jokes that were, were homophobic jokes, uh, calling Trudeau a crossdresser and saying that it's, uh, it's, 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 it's kind of officially uh, the laws and, the, the, you know, it's a government law that uh, people who come out of the closet are to be celebrated unless they're the prime minister, you know, all that kind of stuff, um, which, uh, you know, brought the house down. Uh, you know, Danielle Smith wasn't going to call it out. We knew she wasn't going to call it out. We talked about it before it happened. Uh, she wanted to embrace uh, that group. Uh, that, 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 that's, that's a crowd uh, that uh, she has an opportunity of uh, ingratiating herself to, and she did. Uh, she got a lot of applause, so it was a very happy, happy house, happy with all of that stuff. But if that's what you're going to be doing and if that's what you're associated with, then it's no wonder that Rachel Notley and other people who have been uh, fighting uh, for uh, LGBT rights and trans rights for a number of years, it's no wonder they're going to be suspicious of any legislation that you're going to be bringing in that uh, intersects with those issues. The Alberta Teachers Association uh, releasing just by way of Twitter a short time ago, they say that, uh, you know, Premier Smith says the government will be releasing policy on parental rights this week. Uh, she says they've consulted broadly on these issues, but so far the ATA, the Alberta Teachers Association, has not had any conversations about this uh, with the Premier or any government officials. They say broad consultation on policies affecting the operation of schools must include the teaching profession. Obviously, when government doesn't consult with big groups, uh, there's going to be issues. You know that the government is being influenced by some parents, uh, those that are championing the so-called parental rights movement. What you're going to hear a lot of people talking about this week is that confluence of where parents' rights stop and where a child's rights begin, right? And uh, this is one where I think not everybody agrees, right? Like you don't, you're, you're not all of a sudden, you don't have rights bestowed upon you at the age of 16 or the age of 18. And I think that that's where a lot of people are going to get hung up on that debate right now, because when you start 
pitting the parents against the teachers, right? As if the teachers have some sort of nefarious plan uh, or have some, uh, you know, objective or some, some ideal outcome that is different than what the parents would want, then you're pitting two groups against one another. When you start talking about parents' rights, though, you've got to have the conversation about children's rights as well. And I think that that's where a lot of the conversation is going to be going over the next few days and weeks. Look, uh, I know a lot of teachers. You know a lot of teachers. I think your, your mom was a teacher. I think all of us have teachers in the family somewhere, whether it's our mom. I mean, my mom wasn't formally a teacher, but, you know, I was talking about it earlier as a teacher because that, 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 that's what she, she was for all intents and purposes to me. She was the, the, the best teacher I ever had. Um, I don't know of any teachers, Ryan, maybe you've met one or two. I don't know of any teachers who get out of bed in the morning and the first thing on their mind is trying to convince Johnny or Janie uh, to change their orientation or to have surgery. Uh, I, I find the, 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 the concept of, uh, you know, promoting this idea that teachers do have, and I'll use your word, the teachers have some sort of nefarious plan, whether it's the teachers union or individual teachers uh, to, you know, mess with, with, with children uh, and to influence them to to think of themselves as other than you know what 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 they appear to be, the idea that this is what's on teachers' minds as they uh, uh, try to make sure that uh, Johnny and Janie you know get English and math and everything else that they're teaching in schools these days. Uh, I just I just I, I you know once again not to dwell on the Tucker Carlson thing, but you know all of us have had the opportunity in our lives as uh, broadcasters and podcasters to turn people who are into our opponents, uh, to turn them into enemies. So if you're a conservative and your opponent is a liberal, yes, you can talk about your opponent in many ways, but once you get to the point where you're treating them like the enemy, they're the enemy of the state, they're, they're your enemy, and once we get to a point in this uh, province of Alberta or anywhere else in Canada of treating the teachers' union or teachers themselves as enemies of families, enemies of children, I tend to check out. It's just, it's, it's it, uh, David Parker is, is not my cup of tea. Mm. We, we've got comments on here. I mean, I'll just go to the live chat. By the way, I like this comment from Sylvia who says, as, as someone has said before, children have rights and parents have responsibilities, uh, which I think is good. Mark says uh, David Parker, founder of Take Back Alberta, has tweeted that he will break the teachers union over his knee. Uh, says he wow he must be a really strong and powerful guy that from mark uh galaxy hunter says removing human rights of minors uh is used as a distraction uh, avoiding issues around health care education and land management tracy says teachers are already exhausted now they have this to deal with uh lauren says no wonder this topic will surely trigger some emotions sharon says teachers are on the front line with absolutely everything uh, different Tracy's here. Tracy D says the minute that David Parker has anything to do with schools, every teacher in the province will walk. I guarantee it. I don't know about that, but you could see an interesting, uh, I mean, Josh, that's an interesting angle. Wouldn't it be strike action? Tracy C says children are not chattels or laborers. They're younger humans uh, that deserve rights and freedoms. Yes, we as parents guide them, but so do teachers, doctors, religious figures, and others. Uh, I mean, obviously everybody's got a lot to say about this. Can we agree, um, Probably, I mean, it's one thing you talk, you talk about 
pronouns and what your policy is going to be on pronouns and when parents should be advised and when it's really not of a, a parent's business. And you'll hear allies and advocates, and we will. We'll hear a lot. People will hear it on this show coming up this week, and we're going to talk to a bunch of different people. And not everybody's going to like the opinions of every single person that we talk to because that's kind of how it goes when you're hearing different <laughs> perspectives. Show, show's called Real Talk. Real Talk. But you're going <laughs> to hear you're, you're going to hear people say that this is why it's important for parents to yeah. be part of this, and then you're going to hear other people saying some kids just aren't safe. Uh, when their parents are notified, and, and, and that's a very compelling and important uh, point to consider, and we'll hear that. When you start getting into things like hormone therapy, when you start getting into things like surgeries, and I wish that people on the podcast listening to this could see your face. Your face just twisted when yeah, I said I that. But I'm going to say I, I, yeah. I think it's less controversial. As a matter of fact, okay. I'm going to forecast that some of the measures, some of the inclusions in this legislation are probably going to be supported by the majority of people, even if those people don't want to go on the record and say it, even if those people aren't tweeting it from their accounts or taking that position with the neighbors or the kids or the, you know, the friends of theirs at the hockey rink. Uh, I don't think it's as controversial as some people would have you believe. I think most people believe that that stuff should be approached with a little bit more caution. What do you think? Well, I mean, I, my, my, my face was contorting when it, when it came to surgeries because I, I, I don't believe the teachers are advocating uh, to, uh, you know, I use Johnny, Janie, Muhammad, you know, whatever. I don't want to get into this whole business of, you know, how diverse my language is. I, I learned my language when I learned my language, and I, I, I think in terms of Johnny and Janie. And, um, and I just don't believe, I, I've not had any parent give me, I've had parents, uh, you know, send me all kinds of stuff and tell me about all kinds of stuff anecdotally, blah, 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 blah. But I've never I've never seen a stitch of evidence that a teacher anywhere in this country uh, told a young person uh, to think seriously about having surgery uh, to, to, to to transgender. I, it, you know, I just don't believe that 12 year olds are being told that, you know, you're 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 a, you're a boy in the. Uh, you're, you're, you've got a boy's body, but you've got a, a mind of a, a woman, and the surgery is something you should seriously consider. I, I have no evidence that, it, that teachers are doing that. Yeah, and, and, and I don't even know that it has anything to do with teachers. I mean, and, and we haven't seen the legislation yet, so let me be clear on that. Right. But I have good yeah. reason to believe that it will include some limitations on when young people can start to transition when when some people when young people can start to uh, utilize those therapies when 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 especially when when surgeries can occur and and I see somebody here on our you know Michelle is listening and and, and says in our live chat Ryan's letting his right wing tendencies show I don't think it's right wing to to wonder if you should have young people under the age of 16 or under the age of 18 undergoing gender transition or gender reassignment surgery uh if that if that's right wing uh, to wonder if maybe we should pump the brakes on that or be a little bit more prudent with that, that's fine. I'll own that one. This is an opinion that I have. And uh, someone may say, well, what do you know about what it's like for a trans person? Or what do you know what it's like? I don't know. Um, and we're going to talk to a lot of people. We have talked to a lot of people. But I know what my gut tells me about where most people are in their development at 12, 13, 14, 15 um, and, and I would suspect that significant uh, personal uh, transformation uh, by way of surgery or, or, or therapies, like, can, you know, is, is something that the average person in society 
the average person is probably going to go, I don't think it's too unreasonable to put an age limit on this. Uh, And I would suspect that that'll probably be uh, when we see the legislation and better understand it, and we'll go through it line by line when we can see it, that's going to be the part that the fewest people are going to push back on. Keeping this as real as possible. Your dad is a doctor. If a 12-year-old said to your dad, the doctor, I want hormone therapy because I want to transition because I'm a boy, but I really believe uh, that I'm a woman. I'm about to become an adult woman in a few years, and I want hormone. What would what would Daddy Jesperson say to a 12-year-old? I mean, I can't speak for him. I don't know. But but I but like I know I know like for example here like Lefty Lance I mean at least Lance and his handle lets us know where he is on on you know on, on the spectrum there so there you go he's a, he's a lefty that's fine we love our lefties we love our righties you know yeah. we love everybody that meets here in the middle on Real Talk but Lefty Lance says Ryan do you know the process these kids go through before they get to the point of surgery um, like just listen to the question like kids and surgery I'm just saying. And, and, and maybe my opinion would be different if, if I had a trans child and we're going to talk to lots of people we have and, and the, the track record of the show and in the history of the show, we've talked to lots of people from all walks of life. But when you're talking about kids and when you're talking about like preteens and teens having major surgeries, all I'm saying is that the general public, if you poll the general public on this kind of stuff and we've seen it. Uh, you'll see that it's like 80 plus percent. It's like 85 plus percent of members of the general public are going, I support prudence here. I support pumping the brakes. I I support putting in limits like age limits when people can receive these types of medical interventions or medical therapies. And and, and that's like for some people, they're going to think that that's nuts, but that's not what the general public thinks. I'm with, I'm with the general public, and I, I make no apologies for it. Uh, and people want to say, well, that's my right-wing tendencies. I probably have right-wing tendencies. I probably have right-wing tendencies. I probably have left-wing tendencies. I have general public uh, tendencies. No matter what the, uh, you know, F-wads, I'll just say F-wads because I don't want to use the F-word. Uh, no matter what the F-wads in the far right want to say about me, call me a communist and, a, you know, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever they want to call me because I'm not a UCP supporter. Uh, I'm none of those stupid things, okay? I'm the same person I've always been. I'm a traditional person. And uh, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not interested in, uh, in, in uh, 12-year-olds having uh, hormone therapy and, and surgery. And uh, for those people who say that's not a progressive enough position, fine. I don't have a progressive position on that. Um, I, I can live with it. Yeah, people are saying I need to get my facts straight before I host this conversation. There's nothing factually uh, that we're wrong on here. I'm just telling you what the legislation is going to say this week, and I'm forecasting what the public's going to think about it. That's it. That's all we're talking about, is that here's what the government say is going to say that, that parents got to be uh, notified about, and here's the age where parents don't have to be notified anymore, and here's the age limits where all this stuff can happen in Alberta. They're basically just drawing lines. They're painting lines, um, and that's what it's going to be. And I'm just forecasting right now, I'm not, I'm not talking about what surgeries are happening, where and to whom. I'm just saying this is what the government's going to say, and this is probably what the public's going to say. And I don't think, uh, you know, I, I, when they say that Alberta's legislation will go further than New Brunswick's or Saskatchewan's, and you see the pushback, like obviously there was the, the, sort of the country, like New Brunswick was first, right? So everyone was kind of going, ooh, and kind of looking at this, and, and Blaine Higgs, the conservative premier there, who's not known as like a right-wing nut job. 
he's not. Uh, he's pretty well respected. <laughs> And, and, and some of the some of the more progressive conservatives had a real and still have a real problem with it. And they didn't like it. But then Saskatchewan was like, hold my beer. And then Saskatchewan went a little further. And you saw the progressives in Saskatchewan get, get really upset about it. And they still are. Um, and I and I just I'm, I'm just always curious to see how it's going to fly in Alberta. And obviously, you're going to see pushback. Obviously, there are, are uh, there's a, uh, an element, a significant element of this population that will push back on whatever this government does, just because it's this government. Uh, but I also think that some of the elements of this, and this is the point I'm making, will not be seen as controversial as some people might think by the general public. May I, may I say something to my progressive friends who mm. are listening and watching? If you want right-wing nut jobs to absolutely prevail, to win for the next decade or two or three, if you want right-wing nut jobs to have more power in Alberta and Canada, all you have to do is lay down the lumber of what I'll call progressive fundamentalism. I don't like the, the woke word. I just don't like the word. But all you have to do is be really fundamentalist about your progressive values and try to enforce them by calling everyone who disagrees with you a right-wing nut job. You want to do that, and mainstream people, whether they think of themselves as conservative, liberal, whatever, mainstream people will go against you. You'll marginalize yourself, and you will give the right-wing nut jobs all of the power that you're worried about. You, 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 can't, you, you cannot sell your values by simply calling every single person who disagrees with you an extremist or right-wing nut job. That only will marginalize you. And you can feel good having a cause, but you'll never have any real power. They will have. Your opponents will have all the power. Totally agree. Uh, we're talking to Charles Adler. Hang tight. In just a second, I want to ask you if you think that Canada is making the right moves, move uh, pausing funding to a, a United Nations organization. Uh, Charles joining us every Monday, and those conversations happen with the support of Real Talk partners like our friends at Friesen Brothers, who want to remind you that February 1st is coming up. February 1st is coming up in just a few days, and that means that it's another opportunity for you to knock 15% off of every grocery purchase of $75 or more. And that's in addition to their seniors discount days. For details on that, you can just check out their website, Friesen.com, or you can visit them in store. 16 different locations across the province of Alberta. Friesen Brothers is Alberta grown and Alberta owned. Our friends at Eden Landscaping want to remind you to look back this summer. And, and when you start thinking about the stories that you saw covered in the news, what were they? Well, they were stories of climate change. They were stories of the impact of climate changing Weather patterns reflecting that. Drought, flood, wildfire. Well, what about how people's landscaping's coming along? What does that have to do with anything? Obviously, there are major implications when it comes to the types of plants that you're going to want in your yard, the resilience you're going to want from your yard, the use of water in your yard. These are the types of things that the team at Eden Landscaping is thinking about as they're drafting up plans for this coming summer's projects. It's why you want to trust the experts like Eden Landscaping with more than 20 years of experience and many return customers. That's what they're so very proud of. You can get that conversation started by visiting them online at landscapeedmonton.ca. If you're thinking of maybe heading back to school right now, you're intrigued by new opportunities in the job market, but you know you got to level up your education first. 
Why not take a second to check out Athabasca University online? They're world-class accredited online degrees and courses designed so you can complete your education wherever and whenever it works for you. It's easy to get started at AthabascaU.ca. You can learn more about the AU Advantage, including accreditation, credit transfers, and hey, maybe some of the financial resources they have. There's all kinds of opportunities for people in all kinds of different circumstances. That's kind of the whole point. It's one of the benefits of Athabasca University. And speaking of this past summer, and of course we know that those weather events aren't just limited to those warm months. We've of course seen extreme cold temperatures over the past few weeks that created a real mess for some folks as well. Is it your business maybe that we're talking about or heaven forbid your basement, burst pipes and the like? Complete care restoration are experts in mitigating and in, when necessary, repairing fire damage, flood damage. They're experts in getting rid of black mold, in getting rid of all of the other types of things that can be real headaches and hassles. Asbestos, anybody? You ever opened up a wall and what you thought was going to be a tiny little reno and realized it's going to be a little bit bigger than tiny? That's when you're going to want to get in touch with Complete Care Restoration. You can find them under the Sponsors tab on our website. Canada has uh, joined a group of nations, uh, including uh, the United States, Britain, and others, of pausing uh, financial support for uh, a United Nations organization uh, that's providing assistance in Gaza. Uh, This is the UNRWA, which is the United Nations Relief and Works Agency, uh, conservative leader in Canada, Pierre Polyev, accusing them of being a terrorist organization. And uh, this uh, Canada's international development minister, Ahmed Hussein, over the weekend expressing uh, by way of a statement alarm at the allegation says that uh, Canada will pause its funding after it's been suggested uh, by Israel that uh, members of the UNRWA staff took part in the October 7th attacks by Hamas-led militants in southern Israel that killed about 1,200 people. Uh, This is a supercharged story. Charles, uh, this is obviously uh, a situation that continues, this Israel-Hamas war, though it doesn't lead the headlines every single day. It is still very real. It is still very troubling. Uh, What do you make of this recent development over the weekend? And is Canada, do you think, making the right move and pausing funding? I think uh, Canada's making the right move. Uh, The EU uh, this morning also decided to uh, pause all funding. Iceland and many other countries that are uh, not considered friends of uh, Israel in general and certainly not friends of this right-wing Netanyahu government in Israel. Uh, They're pausing funding because it has nothing to do with Netanyahu and it has nothing uh, to do with anything other than proof that the United Nations now has. And the United Nations has fired several of these people, uh, proof that it has that uh, some members, some members, I keep having to say this, some, uh, UNRWA members, this is the United Nations uh, Relief Agency, Uh, Some of them uh, aren't just supportive of Hamas, but some actually participated in the October 7th massacre. Uh, It's very, very difficult uh, to support any agency uh, that uh, abides by that. And of course, if one goes into uh, the history, there's nothing new here. Uh, Various members, and I say various, not all, various members of the same agency have over the years uh, participated in all sorts of, and I'll use Ryan's word, words here, uh, nefarious activities with respect to supporting terror, with respect to supporting Hamas, and with uh, teaching anti-Semitism. There, uh, that's, uh, that's the deal. Uh, none of this has anything to do with uh, ceasefires, uh, you know, the war itself. Uh, this has to do with terrorism, 
It has to do with criminal behavior. It has to do with specific behavior exhibited by some members of the agency. But just to basically exclaim, exclaim why I say some, 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 Israel itself, whatever you may think of Israeli policies, Israel itself trusts many members of the UNRWA right now to feed as many Palestinians as possible, clearly displaced by the war in Gaza. So if Israel itself at the moment is trusting most members of the UNRWA uh, to help feed these people who are absolutely destitute and desperate, then it just, I think, uh, dots the I and crosses the T on why I'm saying some members of the UNRWA. Before we let you go, and I didn't tell you I was going to read this because I want the element of, uh, not surprise, uh, but I want to get your legitimate reaction to an email that we got from Richard, okay? And so Richard submitted this uh, to be featured as a flamethrower submission, you know, on Fridays. Uh, our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park present the flamethrower. Uh, but we did an all Tucker Carlson edition of the flamethrower this past Friday, and this didn't qualify. So I had to apologize to Richard. And then I thought, well, it's about you and me. So I thought, well, okay. I'll just read it to you sure. uh, and we can have okay. some we can have some fun with it. And I'll let you know before we get to it, because he does. He, he does. He's 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 deploying explosives. I mean, he's really putting our you hold you there. You can hold someone's feet to the fire and then you can put someone's feet right in the fire. And that's what he does here with us. But he does sign off xoxo so it's all it's all in love this from richard um we can handle it we, we i know we it. can handle it and this is for the pure entertainment of the audience chuck so so here yeah. you go and i, I want to watch you hear this so he says uh jespo i voted uh for the federal liberals in nine of the past 10 federal elections. So he wants us to let us know where his past performance has been. Okay, Chuck? He says, I did vote conservative in the last federal election. He says, I've been blessed with great MPs like Anne McClellan, known around here as Landslide Annie, and Randy Boissonneau. <laughs> he says, I also love Real Talk, and I do not miss an episode. And then he says, but, he says, uh, your skit with Charles Adler, and and so now he's talking uh, about January 22nd, okay? So he's talking about a week ago. You're, you're in my skit. He said it was just embarrassing. He says, Ryan, you start by pointing out the obvious fact that the federal liberals are floundering, to say the least, and I actually thought that we were finally going to hear a good conversation about out-of-control deficits and a 40% increase in the size of the public sector and spending billions on outside consultants because our bloated bureaucracy has none of the required skill set to govern, the botched carbon tax, regardless of whether or not it's good policy, pouring gasoline on inflation, disastrous housing and immigration policies, and making Canada the constant punchline in the international comedy scene and Justin Trudeau single-handedly normalizing political scandal he says I'm old can I see Chuck I want to watch him laugh while he listens to this he says I'm old enough to remember when a $16 glass of orange juice was a major political scandal but now blackface and the we charity and the green fund and SNC Lavalin and many others are mere sound bites in a lightning fast media cycle and instead of highlighting why the liberals are self-destructing, you and Chuck, and I wrote him back to say, what the, what, why are you dragging me into this? I said, <laughs> I said put, turn, you can't pass up a chance to throw shade on the UCP and read live stream comments like, oh, you think Canada's bad? You should see how bad Alberta is, thanks to Danielle Smith. And when the conversation accidentally slipped even close to criticizing the liberals, then you guys artfully pivot to discussing the Oilers? 
says Richard. You guys are better than that. And then he says, by the way, you did the same thing on January 9th. He does a great job letting the audience know what episodes they should go back and listen to. He says, January 9th, when we got to listen to you cooing over Supriya Devetti as she blamed the liberal self-destruction and fewer women getting into politics on online misinformation and the problematic conspiracy theory adjacent world that many conservative MPs frequent. Her words, says Richard. Maybe what happened to Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott is relevant. No, the liberal machine, including the media, just refuses to do the tough but necessary self-reflection. Closes Richard. Next time, instead of pivoting to the UCP or the Oilers, how about you recognize that voters are seeing through the smoke screen of political and policy blunders that patronizing liberal propagandists like Charles Adler, Max Fawcett, and Supriya Devetti are too stubborn or proud to acknowledge. Be better. Don't be afraid to criticize the liberals. It will help them in the long run. That from Richard, who voted federal liberal in nine out of the last ten federal elections. Over to you, Titan. <laughs> I've been sitting on this thing I, for a week. I, I get, I, you know, I, I, I chat with uh, Ryan uh, every Monday. I feel blessed to have the opportunity. It's real talk, like any conversation at the kitchen table or anywhere else. It swerves in and out. You know, it goes down, uh, you know, various alleyways. Sometimes it goes into the ditch, and uh, that's that, that's that's what real talk is all about. So, if uh, real talk uh, should be about um, me uh, doing a a defense. Uh, of of the liberals as if uh, they're they're you know they're on the they're on the stand and I'm their defense lawyer I'm, I'm not the defense lawyer for the liberals and I'm not one who says that the liberals haven't made mistakes I'm not one that says you know so these 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 scandals aren't really scandals I, I I've never once said anything like that uh, do I bring up some stuff uh, on the other side uh, from from the conservatives uh, some of the stuff that they traffic in on the web some of the disinformation they traffic in of course I do. Do I extol the virtues of Canada? And do I say that uh, I just don't buy into this idea that, that Canada is broken? It's not, in my opinion, a, a balanced approach uh, to criticizing the government. This country is not broken. This country has never been broken. This country will never be broken. And this country is about so much more than the UCP and the CBC and the CPC and the LPC and Ryan and Chuck. It's about 40 million people most of whom are wonderful people, most of whom have one thing in common. They support and love this country. And you want to know when you see that? It doesn't matter whether it's an Oilers game, a Flames game, a Leafs game, down east, out west, whatever. When the troops show up at the game, everybody salutes them. Everybody honors them. And yes, some of us, because of our own personal history, some of us give 100% credit for those troops, for our own existence, our own lives. We shed a tear or two. And I'm not embarrassed to say I shed more than one or two tears every time I see Canadian forces in any of our hockey arenas or football stadiums. We cannot honor these people enough. Yes, I love my country, and I'm not embarrassed to say that to the person who wrote this letter or anybody else who's watching or listening. I love Canada, and I make no apologies for it. You can find Charles Adler on Twitter. At Charles Adler, you can find him every Monday or the first episode of every week right here only on Real Talk. It's great to see your face, pal. We love you. Great to see you. 
and a very happy 90th to Rose Adler. We love that. I saw in the chat as well, Justin. It was his birthday yesterday. It's his grandma's birthday today. So shout out and a happy birthday to Justin and to his grandma. Uh, he went on to say, by the way, did Justin in the chat, the parental rights legislation proves that David Parker and Take Back Alberta have a very outsized influence on the premier's office. I do think it's interesting timing uh, bringing this in right now. I don't, I don't, I don't think that... that the average Albertan is demanding that the province get its parental rights stuff sorted. I don't think that that's everybody's top priority, but it's going to play well politically with whom the premier wants to play well politically right now, right? And for some people, it is relevant. For some people, they're going to say, well, finally, Alberta finally gets something on the books. And we're going to hear from a ton of people. You'll hear from some of them on this show, no doubt, when we know a little bit more about this, when we know the details, you'll hear from some people who say that this people are going to say this is harmful legislation and Alberta's taking this uh, two or three or five or ten steps in the wrong direction. You know, you saw the outcry in New Brunswick and Saskatchewan, and it's been suggested by people close to this that this is going to go even further. So whatever that means, we'll find out and we'll welcome your feedback. No matter where you come at this from, we want to hear from you to talk at ryanjesperson.com. We want our conversations to be meaningful, to be informed, uh, and to be driven by people's real-life, lived perspective. So if we're talking directly to you like Saul last week, if you missed our flamethrower on Friday, I encourage you to check it out. How long was the flame? I noticed we hit the end of our music bed. Yeah, it was the, long, like the nine band, minutes. Yeah. Like nine minutes? Mm -hmm. So it's about nine minutes of people's responses uh, to Tucker Carlson, to his visit to Alberta and Calgary and Edmonton, and, and, and some of you to, to my synopsis of it. I was there in Edmonton on uh, Wednesday night when Tucker Carlson was here, and I let you know what I thought about it. If you want, you can check out the highlight video on our YouTube channel. I kind of give you basically my assessment of, of what struck me. Uh, some of you thought that I was sort of cooing over and pandering to, to Tucker Carlson. Uh, some of you thought that it was a left-wing or a communist analysis when he wrote it to say, which I thought was amazing. So I figured that we're walking the fine line there, the, that middle ground there with objective analysis. But Saul wrote in, and Saul's email, I mean, they were all great, but I think Saul's was probably the most powerful. Saul writes in as a trans man and says, here's why this bothers me, uh, and here's why it's hard to hear. As about, I mean, I still have Saul's email here with me because it's just, I don't know, sometimes Johnny knows. I'll leave some emails on the table long after we've read them just to kind of keep reminding us, just mm -hmm. to kind of keep our perspectives focused. And Saul went on to basically say uh, what it's like for me. He said, quote, the people, you know, for, for me, it's hard. Uh, when Tucker talks about how he's never met a trans person who was happy after undergoing, quote, gender, gender mutilation, uh, his genital mutilation, uh, and that this elicited cheers from the audience, says Saul. This audience is made up of my fellow citizens, the people who live in the same city and province as I do. The people who go to work every day, maybe them some with me as I work a blue collar job. Ordinary people who hold doors for others, striving to be good people like the rest of us. This scares me, says. Says the people probably wouldn't even realize I'm trans. That from Saul. That was a very powerful email. Mm. So if we're speaking to you directly, um, we'd be honored if you'd take five minutes to let us know how you feel about this kind of stuff. I don't think a happy trans person would ever uh, walk up to Tucker Carlson and start discussing Jeez. their private issues with him. But I, I, I agree with a lot of people on the chat. I think this is a non-issue the UCP are bringing up. Like, you know, it is a form of affirming therapy to let kids, you know, feel out, feel out, you know, their life in school. Let them call themselves what they want. Let them 
you know, be whatever they want to be. And that's, that's how they grow into themselves, their bodies and figure out who they are. And I don't, this whole thing about, you know, children are being mutilated. Less than 1% of the population identifies as trans in the first place. And a small percentage of them can even go through all that stuff or afford all the aftercare and everything. So this whole thing, like I, I was just reading an article here, uh, registered nurse R Robin Hodgson. She's the coordinator for transgender and non-binary program at uh, London health center. She says the amount of people who even ask for gender affirming surgery under 18 is so small. It's very small. And any doctor, she says, she says, I can tell you inter internationally, so all across the world, I do not know anybody, doctors, that are performing any type of genital surgery on anyone under the age of 18. So I, I think this is just a, it's a huge fear-mongering tactic. It's something to just blast in people's faces. And, and, and people seem to believe it. We've got people in our chat. We've got people, I got friends of mine who, who used to be pretty liberal left-wing in my view, who have kind of gone conservative who are really worried about this. And I keep telling them, I'm like, this stuff is not happening at all. It's, it's, it's a non-issue. If people want to learn a little bit more about this and, and like just kind of go to the straight facts on it and yeah. better understand, you're going to hear a lot about gender affirming care. Oh, we had that great show. Um, we did an episode on September 13th. I always want to remind people like these issues are on our radar. Um, you know, something will flare up in news or politics and, and you'll go, you know, when are you going to talk about this or what do you know about this? Um, you know, that, that's kind of the benefit of doing five shows a week and talking to the foremost experts in, in every field we can think of in the country, like Dr. Kate Greenaway, who basically kind of spelled out for us, for, for those of us that just like the average people that don't know everything about everything, um, in, in, in my mind, what was a very enlightening interview, uh, what gender affirming care is. And, and Dr. Greenaway at that point, so this is again, September 13th, 2023. If you just search in our podcast or YouTube archives, uh, the title is what is gender affirming care? That's the name of the episode. Um, she she kind of takes the the sensationalism mm -hmm. and the fear out of the conversation. Although we ask her about that, yeah, we obviously ask her about when politics and healthcare intersect. Uh, it feels like that's all we've been talking about for the last four years. Uh, <laughs> that's our show. But, but yeah, but 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 she goes on and she just sort of like takes our questions. Some of them I remember saying to her like some of these might sound the questions sound a little dumb or sound a little naive or sound a little elementary, but. Um, I really appreciated her availability in that interview. She's dedicated her entire uh, career to this, to gender affirming care. And, and at that point was getting set to open the doors of Alberta's very first uh, gender affirming healthcare mm -hmm. clinic. So you can learn more there uh, September 13th and maybe we'll Should definitely get her back. You know what I'll do is, yeah. I'll, well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're working on big roundtables. It's tough to talk about this in depth because we don't know what the legislation is yet. Right. Mm -hmm. So we can have conversations like we have today, like, like what's the public likely to get outraged about? <laughs> What is the public likely to shrug its shoulders at and, and maybe even quietly agree with or at least, you know, find itself willing you know, or able to align with uh, to say, well, maybe maybe that kind of makes sense. Maybe this isn't all bad. What's outrageous? What's not? What's intuitive? What's probably influenced by special interest groups? What's good policy? I mean, to me, it says a lot. Uh, and you remember, I mean, governments of all stripes uh, and, and, and of course, across the political spectrum, love to throw mud at one another uh, when it comes to consultation, right? Because the public doesn't like when a government fails to consult. Uh, good policy uh, requires uh, we must demand consultation with groups across the board. 
right? Groups that if you want to have good environmental policy, you've got to talk to industry and you've got to talk to the environmental lobby. You've got to talk to scientists. I know I'm not saying anything especially crazy here, especially outrageous. I'm not really sticking my neck out there. So if you're talking about policies in schools, uh, it makes sense to me that you would talk to, for example, the Alberta Teachers Association. And they right now say to this point, they have not been consulted. So that's troubling. That's a bit of a red flag right out of the gates. You know, you may ask the very simple question, who is influencing this government policy? And some people may draw their own conclusions. And in some circumstances, it may be very obvious to people that are driven by common sense. But that's another storyline that we'll be following. Mm -hmm. Those people that say that they have not been consulted to this point, what would be their advice? What would be the position that they would take if they had the year of the education minister, the health minister, or the premier? Yeah, I'm just worried about like kids. And when I say kids, I mean anyone who's like 18 and under, young people, what they think when they're hearing this. Because kids aren't dumb. They, they, They see the news on their phone just as much as we do. What are they thinking when they see that this stuff is being debated? Like, like you think it's hard for a gay or lesbian kid to come out. Oh my gosh. I mean, people say, well, you know, the trans community is such a small population of the world. How do you know? I mean, it's, that's so much scarier to tell mm. someone these days, especially when you have these conversations happening and you can see from our chat, you can see online under news stories, the comments, I mean, I, I I would be deathly afraid if if that was my position in life as a young person to to even want to explore my sexuality at this point. I would just, honestly, and I'll say this for me only. I'm not talking about them. I would just hide everything until until you know I was old enough to be on my own and and, and do things as an adult because it's just a very scary time. Yeah, I mean, I guess everybody's different, and and I, I try not to talk too much about um, you know walking miles uh, when I've not worn shoes that have walked yeah, we those don't, miles. We don't know what um, it's like. Right? But I, I would imagine that that people that uh, earlier in their life um, are able to sort of be public about their true selves mm-hmm. um, would tell you, I would imagine in most circumstances, that that is due in large part to support that they felt. Yeah. And well, to supports that they were able to tap into. Whereas uh, young people that perceive that they don't have those supports and not just maybe don't have supports, mm-hmm. but that it may go in the opposite direction. In other words, they may face hostility yeah. uh, or hatred or in or some circumstances, even violence. Yeah. Um, and then and then those are the people that, that obviously are, are uh, on a journey that, that most people just can't even relate to. Don't and then that's why yeah. this show, you know, will say oftentimes it's not our phrase. We've stolen it. We seek to understand. Mm-hmm. And and I want to say, like, I uh, I just I, I think that people are people are saying, well, you know, children are, are being indoctrinated and all this. I don't think it's like that. I think it's not all doom and gloom. I think the reason we're seeing more people come into their own sexuality earlier is because we do talk about this now. You do see TV programs and news stories and articles and support across the board for the LGBTQ plus S all that community as well as trans people. So, you know, I think, I think it is a good time. It's not all doom and gloom, but at the same time, like I said, I would be scared to death Mm. to try and be myself in this day and age when you have stuff like, (laughs) Like Tucker Carlson coming to Edmonton and, and saying these things, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, the Tucker thing. I'm still. It's 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 really interesting. We took our little guy to a. It's the buzzwords I don't like. The, game the and, mutilation uh, stuff like that. Yeah, we took we took Wyatt to a hockey game this weekend and uh, at Rogers Place, and um, you know, there's a lot of people there, and that's where Tucker had been earlier in the week, and mm-hmm. got stopped on the concourse a few times, and people always people come up and will always say, "What do you what What did you like really think of it? Like, what did you really think of it?" I said, well, dude, it's, I said, dude, put dude, up I a talk, recap. I said I talked about it for 20 minutes on the show. I told you every, every I told you everything I thought of. I missed something. Like I'm sure you know you forget something things as you're as you're recalling and recapping an event um but but people were curious to see just because what you know one thing you can't deny one one th- a, guy, a guy said to me this weekend he said one thing you can't deny is like every time he posts a video it gets like 40 million views like yeah, he but- has a huge mm-hmm. audience you can't deny that but i would also say you know you talk to young people or you see it uh and you talk to young people in schools there there is the the, the environments are and I'm not. Someone can always come up with an example to counter this, okay? But for the most part, the environments are supportive. Kids, like kids, just see things differently these days. And I even hear how my eight-year-old talks 100%. about his friends. Mm-hmm. And there's many different circumstances I can think of. Um, there's, you know, there's there's kids in his class or kids in his school that that have, uh, you know, like that where you know you can tell what family their religion, what religion their family follows based mm-hmm. on what they're wearing, as an example. Um, or kids from different ethnicities. Uh, there's uh, two kids in in Wyatt's class uh, that are refugees from Ukraine. Uh, that 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 comes with its own special challenges. There's a wonderful little boy in in Wyatt's class. He's one of our you don't pick favorites, but he's one of our favorites that has Down syndrome, and he's just an absolute delight. And and like all of these kids, you know what? They all, they honestly and these are you're, you're gonna some people may say, oh, they're eight, they're naive. They these kids treat all the kids the same. Mm-hmm. They do, and it's and it's like maybe real life hasn't polluted. Uh, the the dynamic of that group yet, and and hopefully it never will. But it's a wonderful thing to see. Mm-hmm. There's that. There's the childlike innocence on one hand, but then there's also um, you you know that these children are being taught um, you know about values that we as a society want to better reflect. But yeah. Like I and I choose that word on purpose. They're not yet polluted by a lot of the things that a lot 100%. of our perspectives are influenced by. A hundred percent. And you know? I think I again, it's not all doom and gloom. I think we're in the we're in the stages of a cultural revolution here. We're in 10, 20, 30, 50 years. It's not going to matter what color you. Are. Are, what gender you are, whatever. People are going to be free to be who they, they want to be. I'll tell a little story, 30 seconds here. I was at Walmart last night and I'm in line and I'm getting something and I, I, I my card wasn't working for some reason. So in the, in the self-checkout. So I went to like the cash area and uh, there was a guy waiting in line and another guy went to go where I went from the other side. And this, 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 uh, like mid thirties, white gentleman says to this guy who went where I was, who was, uh, you know, clearly, I don't know if he was brown or black, I'm not going to say, but he said, hey, there's a line here, bud. And I was like, oh, God, not on a Sunday, not on a Sunday at 8 p.m. And the, the guy looked up, and it was the way the guy said it to him. He was like, well, you know, this one's open, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I didn't see it. And they get this. And behind me, a, a father's there with his, with his young son. And uh, the white guy says to the brown guy, he says, he says you guys all think you're entitled. Oh, geez. And the child behind me with his dad said really softly, but I heard him, Dad, what does he mean by that? Mm. And the father said, we'll talk about it in the car. But the point is, like, kids don't see color or gender or any of that anymore because things are becoming so much more freer now. So I do I do have good hope for like in the future. I think when we're older, we're going to we're going to look at them and be like, man, they're also accepting of each other. This is great. It's not a bad thing to let people be who they are. Yeah, I like it. Well said. 
Um, we welcome your feedback on this as we do every single episode. Uh, and, and I love this. We have to wrap on Mondays. We wrap with positivity. Uh, although I think that what you just said was well, pretty we positive. Today. Well, I think there's been a lot of positivity here. That's why I never want, you know, I, I know last week we talked about a lot of things that, you know, the, the shooting at Edmonton city hall, like what the hell, right? Jeez, that comes out of nowhere. And the Tucker Carlson show and there's, you know, all these other things are going on. And I know that, you know, the, the, the world juniors, you know, the, the, the London police demanding that these five men surrender to police to face charges and there's like heavy stories and some of you wrote in just to say i hope you have some lighthearted stuff i hope you have some fun stuff and uh so number one friday's real talk roundtable is all about how you can save money on your energy costs i thought that was pretty good but also just a reminder that we can grapple with and, and tackle and discuss heavy subject matter and still come out of it encouraged and that's uh, our goal uh, when we're producing these shows and and, and i hope that it's our goal uh, as well as a community here that, that we find the focus at the end of that conversation to say, okay, where are we directing our energy? Like, where does our energy need to be directed to ensure that these challenging circumstances, if not see positive outcomes, at least allow us to find a perspective that we can continue to operate through our day without these dark clouds over us. You know what I'm saying? Uh, sometimes real life is exactly that. It's real, but oftentimes and more often than not, communities like these uh, where we can have real conversations, I think, uh, give us an incredible tool to navigate that life. And we're grateful, the first episode of every week, uh, for the partnership of our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy, who require us to wrap the episode on something positive, to get rid of that negativity, and to basically take a look at a story, uh, a circumstance that harnesses positive energy, renews our faith in humanity, and this is an incredible one. And this was passed along by Lindsay. And Lindsay, we sure thank you. She emailed this in just a few days ago. She said, I saw this online and I had to share with you this guy named Chris, Chris Blaze. Uh, he went to buy a Samsung washer and dryer. He posted this on his social media, uh, it, you know, buying it privately, Kijiji or what have you, from a guy who was asking 500 bucks for this washer dryer combo, right? And he said, uh, says, Chris, I told the guy that I had just had a kid. We had just had a baby. Uh, and if he would be able to take 400 for the pair instead of 500, I'd be really grateful. Uh, and so I got home and I hooked everything up. And he's got these like really, really nice uh, washer dryers. You know, those front load Samsung ones, Johnny? Oh, yeah. Everybody wants those oh, ones, right? He says, I opened them up and uh, everything was working great. And I opened up the dryer to check the lint filter. And there was my 400 bucks sitting in the dryer. And there was a message from him uh, after I got home. He texted me and it said, check the dryer. It's our gift for your new baby. Uh, Chris says, words cannot describe how grateful I am right now. I feel so blessed. I just had to share a big shout out to this man, David. Thank you so much. So David, we don't know who you are. David, we hope that the universe somehow puts this positive reflection in your lap. And so you know that thousands and thousands and thousands of people are going to be blessed today by your generosity. But no one more blessed than Chris and his family, including their brand new baby. Lindsay, thank you for sharing your positive reflections. You can do what Lindsay did by sending us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Just put positive reflections in the subject line, or you can hit us up on any of our social media channels. You'll find us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at RealTalkRJ. Positive Reflections is powered by Kubi Renewable Energy. You can get your free solar quote today at kubienergy.ca. 
We've got a big week in store, friends. We'll meet you right back here on Tuesday, 8.30 Mountain Time, live streaming on YouTube and the Mixler Audio app, presented by our friends at California Closets or anytime on demand on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Be well, friends. One love. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Technical producer, John Hicks. General manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Account coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human resources, Lena Shepard. Website design, Mike Johnston. Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Supriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis Settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.